Ezekiel. We'll be in Ezekiel chapter 35 tonight, and uh, we are moving through Ezekiel in an in an orderly manner, uh, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and it's been a great study, I think. And so tonight uh, we're in Ezekiel 35, and I'll give you just a moment to find it, and then we will get into the reading of God's Word. So, verse 1, Ezekiel 35, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, again, God is giving a prophecy to Ezekiel. Ezekiel was both a prophet and a priest, dual, dual role. Verse number 2, Son of man, set thy face against Mount Seir and prophesy against it. Mount Seir, I looked it up how to pronounce it, and that's the way that the dictionary, my Bible dictionary, has it pronounced. So if, if you have a different pronunciation, that's okay. Mount Seir, what is this place? We gotta talk about it. Why would God have a prophecy against a mountain? Is what I want to know. So I started looking this place up. The place, <laughs> the name means Harry. And no pun intended, Brother Harry. Uh, <clears throat> meaning Harry and thus a thicket or small forested region. It's a mountainous range that runs the length of the whole biblical Edom. How many of you remember Edom? From the Old Testament you read in Edom. Uh, Edom and parts of the range of this mountain are impassable. I mean, you can't even, parts of it, you can't even climb it up. The highest peak is about 5,600 feet above sea level. And uh, the region was home to Esau and his descendants. Remember Esau, Esau the hairy, again, the name, place, meaning hairy, and etc., some documents that were found in Egypt seem to make uh, Seir and Edom two different tribal habitats. And it's possible, very possible, we don't know, we can't say for certainty, but it is possible that at times in its history the area was ruled over simultaneously by several local clans or tribes of people. The sons of Seir represented an early Horite clan from the region. Now, what's so big about this? What's the big deal? Well, Edom, which is this region it's referring to, joined with the Babylonians in 586 B.C., killing the Jewish refugees and grabbing some of the land. Remember the promise that God made Abraham in Genesis. I will what? Bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. God keeps accurate records. He says, prophesy against it. Why against the mountain? Well, many people believe that Edom is representative of all the nations, the future nations that would go against Israel. You know, the Bible teaches that in the end times, all nations, A-double-L, all nations will go against Israel. And Israel will find herself alone, nation, speaking of the nations, she'll find herself alone, And uh, but remember, she's not alone because God's with her. And God plus, one plus God makes the majority. And so this is a prophecy against all of those representative nations that are going to go against Israel. 
This is the second prophecy against Edom. If you remember, recall back in Ezekiel chapter 25, there was a prophecy against Edom. So many scholars believe that this is the prototype of all of Israel's later foes. The destruction of Edom will signal the beginning of God's judgment upon these nations, upon the whole earth, based on that nation's treatment of Israel. In other words, if they mistreated Israel, this is their fate. There are some, uh, there are some politicians today in the United States of America that want to go against Israel. And if America as a whole does that, woe unto America as a whole. Now, those of us that believe, we'll be fine. We're, we're taken care of. God has got us. We're on our way to heaven, and we're saved and sealed until the day of redemption. But woe be unto the nations that go against Israel. And that's what he's teaching. Look at verse 3. And say unto it... Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O Mount Seir, I am against thee. Notice what he says here. He says, I am against you. That is the most dreadful place to be in all of existence, is when God's against you. That is the most dreadful place to be. He says, I am against thee. Notice what he says. Also, I will stretch out my hand against thee, and I will make thee most desolate. This verse, three things are happening. Number one, God says, I'm against you. Number two, he says, I will stretch out my hand, and I will uh, against you, and I'll make you most desolate. Now, this area is near the region of the um, Dead Sea. And if you would go there today you will notice that it is a desolate place. As we were driving in Israel, headed to the, to the Dead Sea, you approach it and you can look down over the mountain and you can see the Dead Sea. And believe it or not, from that bird's eye view, the Dead Sea looks beautiful. It looks green. It looks great. But we all know that the Dead Sea is named the Dead Sea because nothing can live in it. It's so many feet below sea level, lowest point, and all of these tributaries flow into it, but nothing flows out of it. So all the mineral deposits gather there. Nothing lives in the Dead Sea, hence the name the Dead Sea. And this is that region in that area there, and it is a desolate place. But it's not near as desolate as it will be when God exacts judgment in the tribulation period and later when He sets up His kingdom because these nations went against God. And, and the thing that we need to know about God is God doesn't measure time like we measure time. In other words, if we're going to discipline our children, we do it right away. God is a patient God. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, when they were saying, well, yeah, he's been saying that he would come back and he hasn't come back yet. And Peter responds and says, listen, God is not slack, as some men count slackness concerning his return, but is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The delay in God's exacting judgment right away is an opportunity 
for salvation of souls. And so God gives this promise, I'm against thee. Now it's interesting to note that he's talking to the mountain and the land. He's not saying a specific body of people. He's cursing the land. Notice what he says in verse 4. He turns from the land and he says, I will lay thy cities waste, and thou shalt be desolate, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Not all of that region knows He is Lord. So this is a yet future time for us as well. Remember, that time when everyone knows the Lord, this will then have happened. But it hasn't happened as of yet in my belief. And understand what he says here, I will lay thy cities. It's plural. It's not singular. It's not one city. It's this whole region, this whole mountainous region that he is going to make desolate. He says, I will make it desolate. That's the second time he said he will make it desolate. And thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Look at verse 5. Why? Because thou hast had a perpetual hatred, number one, for Israel. Perpetual Hatred of Israel. Esau, his descendants, they didn't like how the birthright was stolen from Esau and they thought Esau should be the rightful uh, benefit of that. And therefore they had a perpetual hatred of Israel. Remember, keep the promise in mind. God says, I'll bless those who bless you, I'll curse those who curse you. Secondly, he says, not only did you have a perpetual hatred, but you have shed the blood of the children of Israel by the force of the sword in their time of calamity. So number two, they shed the blood of the children of Israel. They were guilty. And the people will come into play here in just a moment. Hang with me. The land's also cursed, but so will the people. And they shed the blood of the children of Israel. God does take that very seriously. Not only by, did they shed the blood, but by the sword. In the time of their calamity means when they were helpless. When they were helpless and couldn't defend themselves, they shed the blood of Israel. And also, notice this last part, in the time that their iniquity had an end. That means when God had already punished them. God had already punished them for the sin, their sin, and here comes piling on to what God punished these nations that came against Israel and killed them and shed the blood. Remember I told you in 586 B.C. that they joined with Babylon, thinking that joining themselves to Babylon, they would eradicate Israel and they would be with the, the ruling force of the world and everything would be okay, but they hadn't met Almighty God yet. Look at verse 6. Therefore, why, do you have, why is therefore there? You have to ask, why is therefore therefore? It's because of all that He has said, because all this has happened. Look what He says. As I live, saith the Lord God. God is almost saying, He's almost making a vow or swearing against Himself. As I live, as I live... You know, someone says, as I stand here and breathe and live, I'm making my statement in this. He says, I am swearing I will prepare thee 
unto blood. God says, listen, because you have had a perpetual hatred, you shed the blood of the children of Israel and in their time of calamity, and God had already punished them and you piled on. Therefore, God says, as I live, His word is spoken. It cannot be changed. It cannot be taken back. His word is for sure 100% true. He says, I will prepare thee unto blood. Not only does he say that, but blood shall pursue thee. Blood, of course, violence, death, shall pursue thee. Sith thou hast not hated blood, even blood shall pursue thee. They will not have a time, when this time comes, they will not have a time without judgment and blood upon them. Notice in verse 7, Thus will I make Mount Sire most desolate and cut off from it him that passeth out and him that returneth. What he is saying is he will kill anyone coming or going, trying to escape or return. He's going to make it desolate. This is the third time He has told us that He is going to make it desolate. Notice what else He says here. He says in verse number 8, And I will fill this mountains, or I will fill His mountains, excuse me, with His slain men. In thy hills, in thy valleys, in all thy rivers, shall they fall that are slain with the sword. Do you know that the Bible talks about a time in the future when there's a great battle, when the blood will be up to the horse's bits. It will flow that deep. Can you imagine the horrible optic of seeing... All of these slain bodies, where you look on the mountain, all these bodies are slain. When you look in the valley, all these bodies are slain. When you look in the river, all these bodies are slain. God says, this is what's going to happen. This is what is going to come upon you. Look at verse 9. I will make thee perpetual desolations, and thy cities shall not return, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. God is serious about knowing, knowing Him, or uh, us knowing Him, everyone knowing Him. And he says in verse 10, Because thou hast said these two nations, Israel and Judah, and these two countries shall be mine, and we will possess it, whereas the Lord was there. Israel and Judah, northern kingdom, southern kingdom, will take and will possess it and will have it and it will be ours and we can take it. And the Lord says, oh, no, 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 no. Your pride in thinking that you can take God's cities for yourself and overthrow them is a big insult to the face of God. Who do you nations think you are to think that you can take God's nation and the division of the two kingdoms? How, who do you think you are that you think you can take them out of God's hands? 
Who do they think they are to think that they can come along and that they can take over them and possess them and control them? Notice what he says in verse 11. Therefore, as I live, saith Lord God, I will even do according to thine anger and according to thine envy, which thou hast used out of the hatred against them. And I will make myself known among them when I have judged thee. In verse 10, they come along and they say, whereas the Lord was here. In other words, we, we, we're going to take this these two cities, whether you're here or not, we don't care. We do not care that the Lord is here. We're more powerful than they are, and we don't believe in your God anyway. We're going to take it. And God says, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to pay you back with your angry deeds. I will punish you for all your acts of anger, envy, and hatred. God is letting them know what you exacted and what you wanted to do and what drove you to do this will be heaped back on you. Isn't that interesting that the Bible teaches uh, what goes around comes around? People talk about karma. I do not believe in karma. I do not believe. The Bible doesn't teach karma. But the Bible does teach. Jesus said this, With what measure you meet, it will be measured unto you. You know what that means? Remember the uh, Apostle Paul before he was Paul. He was Saul. And what did he do? He was the one that presided over the stoning of Stephen. Do you know that after the Apostle Paul became the Apostle Paul, I guess I should say Saul became the Apostle Paul, do you know that he was stoned and left for dead? Now, that's the Bible way of saying what goes around, comes around, comes around, goes around. And what God is saying is, you were going to try to do this to my people, but let me tell you, I am going to heap what you were trying to do to my people on your head. You will face my judgment. You will face my anger and my wrath. Then I will reveal myself to, I am making myself known unto them when I have judged thee. Let me just tell you something. Do you know that there is a great judgment coming? Now, there's more than one judgment. And I don't want to get in that tonight too far off the beaten path, but I want to tell you this. Because a lot of people think of the judgment of God as just when God does something to someone on the earth and then it's over. That's not the judgment he's talking about. There is what we call the great white throne judgment. And at the great white throne judgment, if you are there, you are lost, damned, doomed, there's no hope for you. No one escapes the great white throne judgment. The dead will give up theirs. The sea will give up theirs. The dead and hell will give up theirs. Hell, you know hell is a temporary holding place for those who rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. And those people will be called out of hell and stand before the Lord Jesus Christ at that day, the great white throne judgment. And then death and hell will be cast into the lake of fire. As bad as hell is, the lake of fire is more severe. That is the judgment. They will know all throughout eternity, they will know that God is the Lord. And that they had the opportunity and they're there because they rejected that opportunity and they persecuted the people of God, God's chosen people. And he said, I will make myself known unto them when I have judged thee. You know what the Bible says in two passages? Every, it says in one Bible passage, every knee, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue 
should confess Jesus. And then do you know that in the other passage it says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Every person that's ever lived will bow before the Lord Jesus Christ. Either you do it today in faith and belief in trusting Jesus, or you do it at the judgment before you're gone. But you will. You will. And look at verse 12. And thou shalt know that I am the Lord, and that I have heard all thy blasphemies which thou hast spoken against the mountains of Israel. Remember, people forget that there is nothing that happens that God doesn't know about it. Do you realize that God has never had an uh uh-oh moment? God has never said, oh, I didn't think of that. You know, sometimes here on earth we think we're so clever and we think God's sitting up in heaven saying, oh, good job, Gary, I didn't know you could do that. I mean, no, God's not like that. I mean, I even feel dirty for even saying that in a joking manner when we're talking about God. Nothing is, God knows everything. And this is so hard for us to fathom. He knows the end as well as the beginning. And He knows everything. He knows what's in everyone's heart at the same time. Isn't that, I mean, I got enough to deal with my own heart. But to know what's in someone else's heart, could you imagine that? Could you imagine the burden of that? Being able to see into everyone's heart at the same time. That perfect knowledge that God has. God says, I've heard your blasphemies. I've heard the things that you've said against Israel. I know that. Saying that they are laid desolate. They are given us to consume. I've heard that all these blasphemies which you have spoken against the mountains of Israel. You can't hide anything from God. Some people think just because they haven't been disciplined yet or haven't been corrected yet or haven't been judged yet that they're not going to be judged. Our our nation is really, really on the precipice of becoming anti-God, anti-Christ. And I don't mean to, to, to browbeat this, but think about this. The, 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 the people from a legal standpoint that argue for the right to mutilate babies, human lives that God has created... And some people say, well, you know, it was, it was conceived in sin. Hey, listen, it's not the baby's fault. What kind of wicked generation are we? When people march to save the trees, and the same people that march to save the trees and the wells are the same ones that's marching to kill the babies. God knows that. And our... Political people that come on and argue it as if we're the ones that are wicked. And it's not a constitutional right to have an abortion. It's the opposite. The right to life is a constitutional gift or right, I should say. Not death, we're life. But God knows it and He sees it and He sees the blasphemies. Verse 13, thus with your mouth ye have boasted against me 
the audacity of these nations to stand and speak and boast, brag against God. We don't care who the God is. He's in this. Well, that's our land. We're more powerful. Our army's more powerful than they are. And have multiplied your words against me. I've heard them. You, you see what God is saying. God is taking this. And this is very important to see. And I tried to teach this early on in this study. When someone goes against God's plan or God's people, they're really going against God. When you attack God's plan for marriage, you're not going against His plan. You're really going against Him. That's what He's saying here. All these... You've multiplied your words against me. I've heard them. I've heard them. Thus, you know, I have to tell you this. This I've said when I was at Abundant Life, the other church, I had gone to visit at St. Mary's Hospital, and there was a, the, they, the, before they remodeled, they used to have these big glass windows at the main entrance, and I was coming out, leaving, and I saw a man that attended our church, and he was standing with his back to me, he didn't see me, and I, I came up behind him, and I startled him, he turned around, he was doing something he didn't want me to see, it's not a big deal, and uh, he was like, oh man, I, I'm so sorry, he said, you caught me, my nerves are a wreck, and, I, and he was all worried that he saw me, and I, I'm like, you don't have to apologize to me, you're just shaken up because you've seen me, what about God? God sees, He knows everything, He sees everything. And He's the one you ought to be nervous about, not me. I can't do anything. Although I'd like to try sometimes. I'm just saying, I'm, I've got the flesh there. God knows. Notice what He says. Thus saith the Lord God, when the whole earth rejoiceth, I will make thee desolate. When the whole earth rejoiceth, I'll make thee desolate. When you think that everything is going to be great and you've gotten away with it and you're rejoicing, I'm going to make it desolate. Edom rejoiced over the fall of Jerusalem. When they made a pact with the Babylonian army to overthrow Jerusalem, and they overthrew Jerusalem and they killed all those innocent people, they rejoiced. And God's saying, listen, I'm going to make you desolate and then He is going to rejoice. That's a hard thought, right? But everyone will know that He is Lord. Let me read that to you. Verse 15. As thou didst rejoice at the inheritance of the house of Israel because it was desolate, so will I do unto thee. Just as you have done 
I am going to do. O Mount Seir, and all Edomia, even all of it, and they shall know that I am the Lord. I can't find in history where this has totally happened yet. And so I believe that the final fulfillment of this will ultimately take place at the beginning and throughout the tribulation period and culminating in when the Lord sets up His kingdom. And all after the thousand year reign that happens, there will be a Satan will be loose for a season and they'll be able to garner this big army and they'll come up against God for one last battle and, and they'll lose and the judgments will take place and they'll be gone and Satan will be cast into the lake of fire and death and hell will be cast into the lake of fire. They will know and that will be a desolate place outside the glory of the kingdom of the new heavenly city, Jerusalem, that comes down out of the sky. They will know that He is the Lord after the judgment of God falls on them. You cannot fool God. And again, as I said earlier, God's timing is not like our timing. God doesn't function like we function. And praise the Lord, He doesn't. But when I see this prophecy against Edom as a prototype for all those nations, it's not just going to happen in an isolated area in Edom, this mountainous range of Mount Seir. It's not just going to be there. It's, it, that's the prototype for all these nations that go against God. They will be turned into hell, the psalmist says. The nations that forget God will be turned into hell. They'll be desolate. Over and over and over you hear desolate. Nothing will grow there. Life won't be sustained there. All because they went against God in attacking His people. And remember, when you go against the plan of God or you go against the people of God, you go against God. So I would say to those nations, repent. If you're alive, there's still time to repent on this earth. And I would do so quickly.